The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Hey, what's up, everybody? Listen, obviously, we're in a unique time where we're not even doing drive-in church on the roof. We're obviously not meeting in the building. Instead, um, I'm in my living room, and we're recording this service. So we appreciate you watching online, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. If you got a Bible with you, uh, of course, the smartphone with the Bible app works well also. And let me encourage you, too, to be a note-taker, to write some of this down or put it into your smartphone on your notes page or whatever. And um, the other reason that that's important not only is that you don't forget, but it's also... We're encouraging life group leaders to enjoy some conversations over the next week and then the coming weeks um, about Sunday messages so that we can stay connected together. So anyway, like I said, we'll be in Mark chapter two here soon enough. Um, it's amazing to me that w- when you're little, everything is new. You think of the game Peekaboo, and to an infant, it's a hilarious game that literally it seems like could never end. You hide your face, Peekaboo, and every time your face pops out, the little kid giggles, laughs, thinks it's so funny, and you do it over and over and over. The truth is, if I was playing Peekaboo with my wife, that'd be kind of awkward because it's different. Um, there's something about when you're five years old, it's exhilarating learning how to ride a bike. And then even on a minor slope, it can be terrifying because it's such a new thing. But uh, now nowadays, when you're an adult, you have to get a bike with multiple speeds and go careening down a mountain for it to be exhilarating at all because things change. I think about as a teenager, learning how to drive a car. And the simple fact is when you start learning how to drive every time you're behind the wheel, it's amazing and you're excited and look at this, I get to do this. And um, now as a, as a 44-year-old adult driving a car, most of the time it's just plain work. Um, I think of, you know, when I was younger, before I was 18, I didn't travel a whole lot. And um, so as, as my adult life has gone on, I've got to travel a little more and go to different places. And it is something amazing to go out and see different cultures and experience different languages. And, and, and just the fun of being in a whole different environment really is incredible. Something to think about is this. Um, at one point or another in our lives, everything we've done was new. From taking a breath of air to taking our first steps to getting our first paycheck, to attending our first funeral, to being at our first wedding. Um, I could go on forever and ever and ever. And the simple fact is, the season that you and I are in, for most of us, this is very, very new. The idea of quarantine, a shelter in place, um, essential work, you know, who's essential, who's not, all of these things, it's definitely new to most of us. So what I want to do today is I want to discuss the idea of new. And that's where in Mark chapter 2, there's something that you and I really ought to pick up on. And it goes like this. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 18. It says this. Now, John and disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast and yours are not fasting? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They can't as long as they have him with them. Verse 20, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and on that day they will fast. And then he goes on to say this, verse 21, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old and the tear will become worse. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. And we've probably read this before, most of us, but maybe we didn't take in what's going on. 
And so I want to pray, and then we're going to walk through the text together. God, I pray for every one of us, Lord, to understand this conversation about what is new and, and really the implications of what is new, because in the world that we're in right now, it feels very much like this is new territory to most of us. And so, God, I pray we can learn in this season in ways that maybe we would never be able to do except right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So th this text starts in, in Mark 2 at verse 18, now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came to Jesus and asked him, how come your disciples aren't fasting because they are? Now, first of all, they make a big deal out of fasting. And Jesus even acknowledged the power of fasting and the need for you and I at different points in our lives to experience fasting, to remove food from our diet for a period of time, a meal, a day, a few days at a time, whatever it might be, to fast and really focus on our spiritual relationship, the relationship we have with God. So Jesus was very much about fasting. But in the Jewish calendar, it wasn't uncommon traditionally for spiritual disciples to fast at regular intervals throughout the calendar year. And it came up so frequently that they could observe, the people could observe, oh, look, I noticed that that group is fasting. Or look over there, that group is clearly fasting. And it was a regular thing. So the crowd picked up on this idea that it doesn't seem like Jesus is doing the same thing as these other spiritual people. His disciples aren't following the same directive to fast as a tradition. And so, again, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but they bring, bring it to Jesus and go, what's going on here? It says, Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? He says they can't so long as that he's there. But the time will come that the bridegroom will leave and then they will fast. What, what is he saying? Well, first of all, he's saying this, you and I don't show up at a wedding and at the reception during the celebration, we don't go hunker in the corner in, in a burlap sack trying to you know, seek the Lord. No, no, no. What's meant for a reception at a wedding is that we're dancing, is that we're celebrating, is that, that we're popping bubbly and eating cake and meals and making toasts and creating incredible memories. And the simple fact is the idea that Jesus, who is and was then the Messiah, it was a big deal that, that the disciples got to spend time with him. So he's saying, look, I'm the bridegroom. I, I'm coming for my church. I'm here with my church. And right now in that context, my church is the disciples. And because we're together, there's no need for fasting. We're celebrating. I'm trying to help them understand who I am. And so that's kind of his explanation. Jesus' presence was a reason to celebrate. Later on, when Jesus dies on the cross and is buried and, and uh, resurrects and, and, and ascends into heaven, he says, then they'll fast. And we see that in scripture. That's what happens. They go away and seek the Lord in an upper room together. But, but Jesus says, hey, I'm with you. We don't need to be fasting. Now, I'm going to get to the main point of this message here as we navigate verse 21 and 22. It says this, no one, Jesus is saying this, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the uh, wineskins will burst and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. So there's, again, this conversation about fasting and Jesus comes right into it, you know, answers the question and then comes right into this thing about old cloth, new cloth, old wineskins, new wineskins. What in the world is he talking about? And what he's talking about specifically, 
is himself. So real quick, the thing, thing about the, the wineskins and the cloth is this, J- just practically on clothing, you and I know this, if we own a, a shirt or a pair of jeans that we've had for a long time, you wash it and wash it and wash it, and it shrinks to the size that it's basically going to be. So you don't get a brand new patch and put it on um, a, an old piece of clothing because the, old, the new clothing or the new material will shrink and the old clothing can get ruined. So he talks about shrinking when he talks about cloth, and then he talks about expanding when he talks about wineskins. You would put new wine in new wineskins and the fermentation of the wine would actually cause the skins to expand and it would become basically an old wineskin. So you don't empty that out and then put new wine in it again because there's no room for it to expand anymore. It will burst. So real quick, Jesus is saying he's really covering things that shrink and things that expand because what he's trying to say is no matter what it is, big things or small things, things that shrink or things that expand, um, I'm here for something entirely new. I'm here for something that, that, that is supposed to revolutionize the way things work. So he's getting to the idea that both examples deal with every idea of religious piety that might keep them from understanding who he is. So Jesus had quite the controversy about his identity. And the truth is the religious crowd refused to accept that he was bringing something new. In fact, that was part of why he got into trouble. The religious leaders, the people that really should have recognized Jesus as the Messiah, absolutely didn't. And in fact, they were the first to denounce Jesus. Um, Ligonier Ministries, I've loved Ligonier Ministries and R.C. Sproul for a long time, but they made some comments on this passage that I want to read. It says this, Sometimes the need for reform is so great that the fresh work of God cannot be contained in old or expected forms. Jesus did not conform to their expectations of piety, not because their views of piety were entirely wrong, but because God was doing a new thing. If they were to receive him, they would have to adjust their expectations and not to try and not try to contain the new in the forms of the old. Jesus could not be fit exactly into the preconceived patterns and expectations, and those who tried would find themselves suffering great spiritual harm. Okay, I know that's a lot to take on. But what R.C. Sproul and what Ligonier Ministries is saying is that Jesus was coming to bring something entirely new. But because people were so set in their ways of religious tradition and temple and all that stuff, that when he came along to bring something different, they didn't recognize it. And not only did they not, did they not recognize it, they denounced it. And so this is a big moment because this is to understand Jesus brought something entirely new. In his day, something new had come. And, and if it could be embraced, it had the opportunity to change their lives. The thing is, they didn't recognize it. What you and I know, Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus as the Christ, has changed my life, has probably changed many of your lives. And if not yet, God is knocking on the door of your heart today because he wants to come in and revolutionize the way that you see the world, the way that you live, the way that you deal with your day-to-day life. And so I want to encourage you with that. But in this current season... The reason I bring this up is because there's something new going on for so many of us. Shelter at home feels scary and intimidating and crazy. And what is happening? And when is it going to end? But it's important to realize that in this season, there are new things to learn. 
There's some new wine in a sense, and, and that's a weird way to say it, but the simple fact is there's new ways to do ministry. Many of you, as you're listening, are sitting at home. Some of you are in bedrooms or living rooms or you're watching on your phones or whatever. That's a new way to do this. And the simple fact is, in a season like this, it's an opportunity to learn something new that you may never learn otherwise. What if you and I look through a different lens and it's a new lens of sorts? The good side of what's happening right now, families on one hand, shelter in places like, oh my word, on another hand, what about if you're in a family where you can play some board games, where you can go outside and take walks, or you can enjoy time together talking about things that really matter. Maybe you're reading some scriptures together. Maybe you're stopping to pray together. The ability to be together on one hand is a real gift that in a world that's go, 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 this changes that dynamic. What a, what a beautiful thing. And for many of you, it's time to leverage this, these moments for experiences like that. I think of priorities shifting. For some of us, it causes us to sit and, and maybe we're not busy. And so instead of turning on a television and becoming busy with, with shows we can watch on Netflix and stream, what if we just stopped and began to think about what kind of life do I have? What kind of life am I living? What kind of stuff am I actually building? Or am I just going through the motions, being busy, trying to earn money so I can pay my bills, so I can go to work again, so I can raise my kids, so I can have food? Those are great things. But the fact is, there's probably a lot more to life that God probably wants to show you if you would take the time to stop and really process what your priorities are. And that's a beautiful thing. I think of the church. Here we are, and, and like I said, this is a new deal for, for so many of us. I've got pastor friends that I've been on Zoom meetings with right now from all over the place that are, that are going, what does this look like? What does this mean? Can I be honest with you? I actually believe that this has the possibility to make the church stronger because here's what we know. The church isn't a building. The church isn't even a belief system. While what we believe is important, it's not about a written belief system. It's about realizing the value of you and I being the church being the church to the families that we're stuck at home with, being the church to the neighborhood that we live in, still able to connect with some of the people that live around us and say, hey, how you doing? Hey, any way I can serve you. As life group leaders, being the church, reaching out to people in our life groups going, hey, how you doing? One of the things that we're doing as a church right now is we've got a list of seniors and individuals with sensitive immune systems. And with that list, we've broken it up among teams and we're making phone calls and we're going, hey, how you doing? Do you need anything? Are you feeling afraid right now? Can I pray with you? And it's a beautiful picture of what it means to be the church, not go to church because it was never about a building. It was never about a belief system. It's about you and I being the body of Christ. If you wanna look it up, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans chapter 12 talk all about how you and I are part of the body of Christ. What better time to be that body together and love one another and love the world around us? I think of um, new perspectives. Like I said, one of the keys here is new experiences teach us new things. When Heather and I, a few years ago, got to go to London for the first time and we got to go to Paris on the same trip, man, it was new experiences everywhere. But what an incredible perspective that we had never had before. We had never been, neither of us had ever been to Europe before that. And so to be able to go to London and Paris and, and connect with the people and go to restaurants and do some of the touristy things, it was incredible to do that. And it gave us a new perspective a better perspective of the world and not just the, the city that we live in in the upper left USA in the Pacific Northwest. 
And so just the idea that new experiences teach us new things is incredibly valuable. And then finally, and I think this is a really important one, and to be honest, this is one my wife said, hey, it's worth remembering, it's worth reminding people. In this season, it really very much is about learning to fully rely on God. And I don't say that lightly. Because I've talked many times about seasons that I've been in, that we've been in as a family, that can feel so heavy and so dark and so like, my word, I just want out of it. And yet being able to, in those moments, lean in in prayer, in those seasons, lean in, seeking the Lord and reading scripture and even arguing sometimes with God, Lord, you say this, then why is this happening? Lord, this is going on. Why is that happening? Leaning into our faith and realizing, you know what? At the end of the day, we really can fully rely on the God that cares so much about us. And it's in seasons like this that we feel it. And so even more so, we can process it that much better if we do it right. Um, thinking about how to pray fervently, thinking about um, how, how to pray, not just for things about, you know, get me to work safe and bless this meal and, and keep my kids safe as we travel or whatever, but literally learning to pray what we would call like intercession, prayers of, oh God, help me, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I don't know where my paycheck's going to come from or what work's going to look like or when is this going to end? Or, or if you've been like I have, I have been praying sometimes in tears for people that I know that are battling COVID-19 right now. And what it looks like to go, Jesus, heal them, Lord, touch them, Lord, raise them up, help their immune system work better, help their heart rate get better, help their lungs function like they're supposed to, praying deeper prayers. And so this is a season where we learn new things about what it means to rely on God. Here's a quick quote that I love, and it's something to think about as we begin to wind down. It's from Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. There was a senior who was famous, but Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. And it goes like this. A mind that is stretched by a new experience can never go back to its old dimensions. Let me read that one more time. A mind that is stretched by a new experience can never go back to its old dimensions. The beauty of new experiences is, yeah, that it stretches us, but it stretches us in a way that we have a better perspective. We have a greater maturity. We don't fly off the handle ups and downs so high and low, but instead we learn the wisdom and the prudence of patience in a whole new way. And so let me encourage you with that. It's a unique time for you and I to learn unique things. Let me end with a few questions for you that maybe you should write down and leave some space, and maybe you can fill in those blanks here in the coming minutes or in the next few days. Here's some questions. How do these current experiences reshape my life or my world? How do these unique experiences reshape my life or my world? Second question, what am I learning about myself right now? What am I learning about myself right now? A couple of bullets, uh, bullet points underneath there, a couple of questions underneath that one. What old ways need to go? And then what new things should I do? What old ways need to go and what new things should I do? I've met a few people um, in the near past here that have said, you know, I'm not a reader. I don't read. And I challenge that because I love the idea that when you read, you learn things that you might never learn if you don't. And I know we can watch things and we can check out YouTube videos and stuff like that. But the simple fact is you and I being intentional about reading things that will stretch us and grow us is a beautiful gift when you think about the power of literacy. Another sermon for another day, but it's true. And finally, question the, the, the final question, what are you learning about God and your faith right now? What are you learning about God 
and about your faith right now. And that's a really, really important one. Because like I said, it's a season where we really can fully learn to rely on the Lord who cares about us, the God of heaven. And so I um, encourage you with that. I'm going to end with this quote, and I'm going to pray one more time and, and be done. R.C. Sproul, again, I've loved R.C. Sproul for a couple of decades now, and, and uh, something he mentioned in one of his commentaries is this. Um, Jesus was warning people that their king had come and that they would not be able to deal with this king unless they got rid of the structures that made it impossible for them to receive him. If our non-biblically mandated traditions are ends in themselves, they will keep us from seeing Jesus. Such things may themselves be fine, but if we make them unalterable, we will never be reformed according to God's word. Going back to the old wine and old wineskins, going back to the new cloth on old clothing, um, it's this whole idea of what kind of things need to go by the wayside that you've just been in the habit of doing forever, and what kind of things maybe do you need to look at embracing so you can learn and grow and expand those horizons and become all that God wants you to be. That's my hope as we walk through a message like this today. Let me pray. Father, thank you. God, this is a difficult season for so many that there's a lot of, of, of reasons we could find to be anxious. There's a lot of things we process that, that it just doesn't seem like we can just move right on. But I am grateful that whether it's a good season or a bad season, a new season can give us new perspectives, new understanding, new wisdom. And I pray that every single one of us would have the maturity, not just to write it off and try to run away from it, not just to medicate by eating, 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 or binging on Netflix or whatever, but instead what it looks like for every one of us to stop and process this new season in a way that makes us better. It's the beauty of a time like this, even as difficult as it is. We still pray for miracles and healing God to take place for some that are battling COVID-19. We still pray for the curve to flatten out God and for this to stop spreading and for it to go the other way that it becomes to nothing. And God, I pray for you to surround every one of us, Lord, because we need it, God. Thank you for being our provider. Thank you for some that are worrying about money right now, that God, you are faithful. It doesn't mean life is easy, but you are faithful. And I pray we would learn we can rely upon you. Thank you for your grace, your love, and your work in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks a lot. Hey, have a good week. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.